I cannot believe sometimes how cool my guests are and today is no exception. If you are thinking of selling your practice or buying a practice, then you need to listen to this show. I had Peter Watson on today who sells practices for accountants and helps people to buy these practices as well. And his advice in this show really, really is helpful if you are thinking of selling your practice in the near future. There's loads of interaction with people asking questions and Peter is generous with his time and his answers. So uh, listen in and enjoy this show and please reach out to Peter if you're thinking of selling your practice because he can offer you some great advice. All the links are in the show notes, so just pop down there and find those. And if you like the show, please subscribe, please tell other people. And if you know of anybody that would make a wonderful guest just like Peter, then again, let me know. Anyway, without any further ado, here's the show. Oh my goodness, I wish I was in Buckinghamshire today. Hello, Peter, <laughs> how, are lovely. You? how are you? It's You're good. outside, Very man. Good. The sun is shining and for a change, so it's, it's really good. It's really good. And here, here I am. Outside. Here I am stuck in my shed. So spare a thought, <laughs> spare a thought for me. But I, I can go to the beach later. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not complaining spot. at all. So, Peter, um, uh, Peter Watson is my guest today. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Okay. I'm Peter Watson and um, I help sell and value accountancy practices. That, that's all I do. Uh, prior to that, I ran my own account accountancy practice. I built it up from scratch to 1,500 clients before I sold my practice. Uh, but now um, I sold the practice many years ago and I just concentrate on helping people sell and value accountancy practices. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's yeah, but you, you're not you're not like a estate agent that's had a house. You, you actually know what you're doing because yeah. You've, yeah and, yes. and so 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 I, I, yeah. I guess I guess the the, the, the biggest thing for accountants if they're selling their practices is giving up their baby how do you cope with things like that well it is i mean it's a, it's a, it's a big decision selling your accountancy practice um, you know you've you some people have literally run it for 10 20 years and that decision is is, is very very difficult uh, very difficult right, but gonna... there is a high demand for accountancy practice at the moment so oh, we're going to we're going to delve into all of that. We've got loads of people coming in because you, you, you've been okay. you've been getting people to come and, to, to come and watch this. So hi, Lucy. Uh, hi, Daniel. Um, oh, my goodness. We've got Brenda, the, the rock star. Um, she's all the way from Detroit. So really good wow. morning to you, Brenda. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for dropping in. Um, I, I'm under pressure now because you're so cool. Um, and we've also got Path and Pavel as well. So, uh, yeah, if anyone's got any questions about buying or selling, um accountancy practice then then please drop them in the chat box um so why on earth did you sell your accountancy practice if you had 1500 clients you must have been a pretty good practice um why, why did it, you it, it, it was up? um it, it was uh, it, it reached to the top of the game i was i was doing very well um i'd reached the magic 50 and i just just wanted to change i'd ran it for over 25 years and uh, I decided to sell it at, at the top, really. Uh, good clients, good location. And um, just decided I wanted to change, really. Um, I'd help people sell their accountancy practices um, while I was uh, running my own practice. And uh, really, that all started when I met uh, Richard Bruin, um, who's been one of your guests. Yep. Um, 
he used to run an organization called the Academy for Growth. And he was probably, this is, I'm going back sort of 15, 20 years ago. He was probably the, the, the one organization that brought accountants together and showed them how to run accountancy practices, uh, really. And it was the first time that I'd actually spoke to other accountants. There weren't accountancy shows around in those days. People weren't into LinkedIn or anything like that. So really what happened is at one of his shows, probably 15, 20 years ago, uh, one of his uh, conventions, he used to run um an accountant said to me listen I, I want to sell my accountancy practice but i want to do it confidential i want everything to be confidential i don't want everybody to know and so really i was the bit between that person and finding a buyer and, and that's really how it all started for me so i did help while i was running my own practice i did help a lot of people actually sell their practice so naturally when i decided to sell my own practice uh, i still wanted to keep very much in the accountancy profession and I just started helping people sell their practice. Perfect, perfect. So, so that that's the other thing, though. So, you sell your, your accountancy practice, and I guess you got a few quid in your back pocket. Why do you want to go and work again? Surely, um, when you reach that magical age of fifty, you could just go out and go paddleboarding or playing <laughs> golf or stuff like that. Why? Why did you want to get back into work? Um, I I've always had a sort of entrepreneurial sort of about me. Um, I've always wanted. I always loved running my own business. Uh, while I was running my accountancy practice, I, I got it into a position really where it did a lot of it run itself. So I did set up an insurance broker. So I had the partner running that and also a firm of independent financial advisors. And it was all really through um, through having a business mentor like like Richard and his organization, which really taught me how to how a business can run on its own, really, and doesn't need you really to run it. No. And um, so I was very lucky. Awesome. Cool. Right. And, and I think the thing is, right, is when you get to retirement, you sort of like, well, I really just want to sit and play Sudoku and, and watch Homes Under the Hammer. And, you know, there, there is more to life. <laughs> and there's, there's a real buzz about running your own business. I wish I'd have done it earlier. But, hey, I'm having so much fun. Got a great question yes. from Jonathan here. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Um, I think there is a difference between selling your accountancy firm, your client, and your personal brand. Can each of these be separated or is this purely theoretical? Great question, Jonathan. Well, the most important thing really is, is finding the right match if you're selling your accountancy practice, uh, really. Uh, you don't want to sell to any old buyer. You want to sell to the right buyer. Um, so really, uh, whether they're buying your clients or they're buying your brand, uh, the right buyer is the most important thing, not the wrong buyer. And I'll give you a bit of an example of that. For instance, um, if your, say, average fees are, 500 pounds there's no good selling to a firm of accountants whose average fee is a thousand pounds or two thousand pounds because really what's going to happen is the clients are just going to go um so my skill really is matching it's almost like a dating agency it's finding the right two people to match because at the end of the day i rely on my reputation and i want to go back to both of those clients in a year's time and say you know they say it's all gone really really well um a lot of people know how accountancy practices are probably sold, but they're, they're sold, a lot of them are sold with what's called clawback, which basically means if the clients go uh, in a period of time. So um, if, you, if you do a deal where you're being paid over, say, two or three years, 
it might be that if any clients disappear in the first year, then that comes off any payment you receive for your business. So that's why it's really, really important to get a good match. Yeah, I was just thinking when you said that you're like Silla Black, is it make, making making sure the um, you, you're getting the right yeah. the right people together? Yeah, you have to get the right people, both the buyer and the seller. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, they have to be a good match because otherwise, what will happen is the clients will just walk. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to get. You've got to. It's not just about the money, or that is the, that's the main thing. It's about the the, the the fees. The fees have got to be the same, and also, you know, how people run their accountancy practice has got to be the same. You know, if they're using, if one's using Iris and another one's using another package, and you can get two people that use an Iris, it works well, that there's Iris, but if, you, if you're using uh, uh, any, any other software, um, it, needs to, it needs to match. And also how the service needs to be the same. Yeah, absolutely. Clients you hear, need you... to feel that they're getting the same service. Yeah, you you get a lot of stories of people going, oh, it's just not going to work. So you've, you've like you say, you've got to match it all properly. Great question, it. thank you very much, Jonathan. I like that. Um, so um, I got another. I don't know whether this is a question or not from Daryl, uh, a retiring accountant came to me the other week about buying his practice. Th first thought was ah, second thought was where do I start? So what would be your advice to uh, somebody like Daryl then, um, Peter? Again, it comes down to the right match. Um, see if it fits in with your ethos of how you're running your accountancy practice. And, uh, you know, are the clients the same as yours? Um, are they, what the fee structure, what the service they're used to having? Uh, do they, are they used to seeing you in person? Are they used to dealing with you online? Um, so it really is, really look at, the, look at the match, look at the staff, the match. Yeah, no, absolutely. Good, good, good point there. Um, and, and this is the thing, right? You, you, you're going shopping or something and you see something on a deal, but it's only a deal if it's something that you want to buy. So it's the same with a, an accountancy practice. It's got to be absolutely a, a, a spot on fix, hasn't it? Yeah, it's very important. Yeah. Very important. Um, so I, I was, saw a post this week uh, from somebody. Um, it's just about to go on maternity leave. So um, a young lady and she's just about to go on maternity leave. And so she's leaving all of her clients with her team. But the, the, the dialogue in the post was all about, I've got one client that I just don't want to let go. Um, you know, I've been working with them forever. I've helped them grow their business. And, and she's, she's away for a period of time while she has the baby and, and settles into being a mama, et cetera, et cetera. She's been able to give away all of her clients to all of her team, and and, and it's, it's all in good it's all in good hands. She, you know, she and she's going to come back, but she really doesn't want to let this one client go. And and so, the the post was all about how do I let go of this client and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think that's the other fear that I'm going to have if I'm selling my um, client base, my practice to another accountant. And it's not as if I'm going to come back after I've had my baby. I'm letting my baby go, and I'm just sailing off into the sunset how do you get over that um obstacle peter that that you know some well, you, accountants will have to, over their clients a, yeah i mean a sign of a good practice is that it runs itself and you can get your staff to run it because otherwise you'll never go on holiday you'll never be able to go away uh you know and i come across some accountants that i visit where i go out and just do evaluation or speak to them and they're working incredibly long hours because they're almost afraid to give their accountants to their staff to look after. And I, I must admit, when I first started my accountancy practice over 20 years ago, 
Um, I had that. I wouldn't let them go. I, I wanted to be in charge with everything. I wanted to order the stationery and everything. Um, I just didn't want to give that responsibility over, but, but you have to, because otherwise you're going to be working weekends. You're going to be, you're never going to go on, you're never going to go on holiday. So you need to give them stuff. And you also need to, I was, re, I was listening to your podcast with, um, with Rachel Harris, and uh, it, was, it was really interesting. And she was saying how she incentivizes her staff, how she takes them on holiday to Spain and, 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 and all sorts. You know, once you've trained your staff to how you think, you want to keep them. And what I used to do with all my staff is I used to give them bonuses. I used to take them to the local spa every year, take them on a good Christmas do. And, you know, there's so much you know you, you could you could do to keep that staff and keep them happy and they will run your business for them for you um and as rachel said in hers you know you're better off paying your staff more than treating them well than having to keep recruiting more staff and pay more recruitment agencies and and, and that's what rachel said and she's she's absolutely absolutely right yeah no I, I love that michael's got a great point here as well um you need to make yourself redundant prior to the sale or the handover so okay so i'm 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 this accountant okay i'm working in my shed um i'm working all the hours under the sun because i really don't want to pass any of my clients to my team or maybe no don't have a team or maybe i'm outsourcing but there's some clients i still need to look after and I've made a bit of a rod for my own back because my clients can phone me anytime, day or night, and I'm there and I'm responsive for them. I'm now thinking of selling my practice. And is it better for me to, to come to you a few years before I'm planning to sell my practice so that you can help me get out of that mess? Or is that something you don't do? What, 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 what's your Absolutely. advice there? I mean, I, I encourage people to contact me way before they're going to sell their practice have a free chat with them on you know on zoom and i'll give them some pointers to how they can add value to their accountancy practice now what i don't do um, is i don't do long-term coaching and there's a lot of good coaches out there and you've had them on you've had them on your show i mean there's 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 Beb flanagan there's simon chapman there's della hudson uh, there's mark lee you know, all those people who are, are doing coaching uh, for accountancy practices who have run their own accountancy practice. And I would say, get yourself a coach. Speak to me first. I might be able to fix your problem quickly and say, listen, you just need to do this, you need to do that. But if you need long term, you need you need a, a, a mentor. But always choose a mentor. I would my advice would be who's ran their own accountancy practice and all those names I've mentioned they've all run their own accountancy practice they've been through it and they know what to do no absolutely great great advice there um but you could also get yourself a coach that wears yellow t-shirts uh, because yeah, I've, absolutely I've, I've been known to coach accountants and bookkeepers as well and um, because I haven't yeah. run my own practice I have a totally different outlook on those sorts of things. So that, that's, uh, that, you know, that's something else to bear in mind. So um, you don't do coaching. Is that don't do coaching ever or, or yet? Or, or where, where do you? Where I don't do you think, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think so. I think, as I say, I, when I go into a practice um, or I speak to them on the phone, I, it, sometimes it's a little thing to fix it. They're not doing this. They're not doing, they're not doing that. Sure. Um, for instance, I, I, I went to an, a practice not so long ago, and we've now sold. I've now sold it. Who their engagement letters weren't correct. 
or they well, they didn't have enga- many engagement letters. Ouch. So it's a simple <laughs> fix. You've got to do engagement letters. Yep. And they would say, well, do we? Oh, yes. You've, you, you, any buyer who's buying your accountancy practice is going to want to see that they're your clients. And their always argument was, well, I can approve they're my clients because here's the invoice. But no, you've got to have a proper engagement letter saying exactly that the service that you are you are providing to them. Yep, sure. um, you've got to have things like you've got to have proper employment contracts. Uh, uh, they've got to have non, uh, non-competitive clauses in them and uh, confidentiality clauses because a buyer will be looking for that really. What they don't want to do is buy a, buy a practice and find that the office manager then goes off with the clients. Um, so you've got to have those sort of things in place. So that's the sort of advice that I give. That's just a couple of examples to get people on the right track. As I say, the practice that I did see, see who hadn't done many engagement letters went away, did do all the engagement letters, came back to me in six months' time, and we sold it. Perfect. Okay, so let's just say, let's just say, I, uh, to, to, to give an idea of time, let's just say I saw you in January and forget that we've got tax season, forget forget about that. But just say I came to see you in, in January and my practice is working pretty well. Um, I take a bit of time off because I've got a good team. Um, how soon before I get the cash in my back pocket, Peter, if I saw you in January? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't recommend you sell it in January. So, yeah, um, I would say if somebody instructs me to sell their accounting practice, first I'll have a call with them and I, I get them to fill out what's called a practicing questionnaire. And then I'm very, very honest with people that there's some practices which I say, well, you're not going to be able to sell this for this, this, this and reason. And I'm not going to take in a practice on, obviously, I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to disappoint people. So, um, usually once I once they instruct me and it, it all looks good, usually I take about a month to find the right buyers for their practice. So what I'm doing in that month is I'm looking through my list of buyers. I'm getting the buyers to sign a confidentiality agreement. At that stage, they do not know who they are. I'm then speaking to the buyers and see if they're the right fit for the practice that I'm helping to sell. If it looks like it's it's the right fit, uh, then I will draw up a list of buyers who the uh, seller may want to may want to see. Then they can choose. Now, some of the list on on there, they may want not want to see the particular the particular buyer. Uh, it might be that they've taken clients from them, uh, or they don't like them for any reason. So what happens then is uh, I just go back to the buyer and say, unfortunately, you haven't been successful on this occasion, but they still do not know who the seller is. So they don't know who the seller is until uh, the seller says, I want to meet them. And then I do all the arranging for them to meet them. And the first meeting really is to just see if there's a meeting of mine, see if there's a good fit, see if they can make a work, see if it works with the clients. Yeah, no, that, that, uh, that's brilliant. So I could, talk to you about selling my practice but then i could turn around and go and i, and I could be really particular on who is going to buy it i don't just have to let it go to any anybody whereas, whereas if i um we've just we've just had a wedding so we're selling a few things that we we had for the wedding like a beer pong table for example and that's just gone on marketplace on on facebook we don't care who buys that they're just going to have fun but what you're doing is you're sort of like right okay this is my baby and i want it to go to a great great new foster parents or something like that and who are going to adopt it and and yeah perfect absolutely and from my point of view you know as i said in the beginning i want to i I don't want them to i want to go back and see the buyer and the seller 
in a year's time and everything's fantastic. And, you know, I've got my, my reputation and it's all worked very, very well. So I've got my filtering process. And then it's, it's really, it's the, it's the seller who's looking at their filtering process to see whether they think there's a, there's a good match there. Ah, perfect. And when they meet some people, they, they might feel, well, there's not a good match. Yeah, sure. They're not going to, because one thing I can't help buyers with is really they know their clients. And once they meet whoever the buyer is, they, they're either going to say, yes, I can see this person in front of my clients, or no, I can't. Yeah. And, and I'm, guessing, I'm guessing you've got a little black book of people that want to buy practices. Okay. Yes. And you've got these different personalities. Yes. And when someone sort of like, oh, Peter, I heard you on Ashley's podcast. Um, I'm thinking of selling my practice. You're like, ah, that'll be this person or that person. And straight away, you can sort of think, yeah, they're going to get on really well. Um, yes. I love that. I love yes. it. Yeah. You really are still a black, aren't you? I've got a great question from Aaron here or Arun. <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, sir. Um, can you touch on pricing? Is it a multiple or a turnover of, of turnover yeah. or is it a bit da? Um, do you factor in fair salary for the outgoing partner who's using the EBITDA model? So what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, accountancy practice has always sold via gross recurring fees. And it's not just, just how I sell accountancy practice. They've always sold by these gross recurring fees. So practices tend to go from anything from 1 to 1.4 of the gross recurring fees. Um, you can expect the money, depending on the, the size of the practice, if you're selling a practice at, say, 100,000 gross recurring fees, um, you probably expect that with a 50% on completion and 50% in a year's time. And it might be subject to clawback if any of the clients have actually gone in that period, then you you won't get so much money at the end. But hopefully that, that won't happen. All the clients will stick and everything will be everything will be going. So it's, it's gross recurring fees. Now, what I always say is that when you're selling your accountancy practice now, regarding working with the new owner. Um, there's some people I act for who uh, they want to sell their accountancy practice and they never want to do accountancy again. They're absolutely fed up to the back teeth of it and they just never want to do it. They just want to go and live in why, space. Why would that be, Peter? <laughs> I don't know. Well, there's some people like that. It's very unusual. I can't understand it, but that that's life. So, uh, and there's some people who say, well, actually, you know, I wouldn't mind doing a bit of consulting for them. Um, so, that's one of the factors that I bring in to when I look for the right buyer. You know, the buyer has got to be, listen, the seller wants to work for the practice sometime. Practice wants to, he wants to work with the, the new buyer for once a week or maybe, you know, a couple of times a week or he just wants to come in on an ad hoc basis. I always suggest as a minimum that the person wants to stay in um, to handhold some of the clients. So, when you're running an accountancy practice, I know that from my from my running my own practice, that there's some clients that you, you, you don't see, they, you don't see at all. They bring in their records, uh, 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 and you don't really have much communication with them. And there's some clients where you need to, they need their hand holding. You need to be there as a consultant, really, for those clients to put them across to the new bar, so they feel comfortable. Oh, perfect. That's a great answer. And there's there's a lot of disparity there, Peter. You said what between one and one point four, yes. as 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 a as as a, as a rule of thumb. So I'm guessing the poorly run guy in the shed who's working too many hours, he's only going to get a, a one as a as a uh, as a 
fee and then no the... not necessarily i mean it, no. yeah i mean it, it's you know i mean it doesn't just because you're working in your shed or whatever and you're just you know um really it comes down to as i said the engagement letters where you you, you how, how you structured it also people are looking for that the practices is making at least a third profit compared to its gross recurring fees that that's just that's just one of the things um practices have become more popular with people they're more popular where people are working actually in their shed because people don't want offices anymore right okay it's changed you know if we go back five or six years before the pandemic people wanted an office people don't want an office so the practices that are popular are the ones where they haven't got an office or i come across a lot uh who are working from a business center so they've got so you get more buyers wanting that because they've got the option. They can run it from where the seller's working or they can move it somewhere else. Whereas uh, some of the offices, some, some people that work in offices who have signed long leases, for instance, for repairing five, 10 year leases, they can be, they can be a bit difficult. We sell them in the end, but they can be a bit difficult no, at the moment. That's, it's that's... just the way it's gone, the way of the world. Yeah, no, very interesting because, yeah, if I want to grow my practice, uh, I've got no more room in my office to take on. Oh, sorry, I've, I've, I've pretty much sorted out the local area, but I could take on more people from around the country. Then that, that's a great way to do it. I've got a great question here from um, Claire. I'm guessing you've missed out the word too, but can a practice become too big to be sold, Peter? No, uh, uh, it can't be. Uh, obviously, uh, you're going to get more people after accountancy practices are, are smaller because more, it just comes down to money at the end of the day. Sure. Um, when an accountancy practice becomes too large, the only problems you have is, is, is finding, getting the right buyer. Um, the thing is, is that once you, if you're, if you're turning over a, a, a million pounds, for instance, or over a million, it's going to be somebody who's got a million pounds to pay you yeah sure so where the problem lies sometimes is that but then you may not want to sell it to one of the big firms of accountants because they've got a big management structure which may not suit your clients or their fee structure might not suit your clients that can be a, that can be a problem finding the right buyer uh, but there's still buyers there's still buyers out there of whatever size your practice so certainly if you're selling a practice is under five hundred thousand. It typically, I'd probably get 20 or 30 people after that particular practice. Wow. No, that's cool. Great. There's, more, there's more buyers. There's more buyers than there are sellers. Right. Okay. So, so, so if you're thinking of selling your practice in the next two or three years, come and have a chat with Peter and he'll give you a, a pointer. Um, Carolyn's got a great question here. So if the buyer puts the fees up and that is the sole reason the client leaves, how does that impact the potential clawback? So here I am. I've got a lovely yeah. fee structure for my clients. I sell, I sell my practice. Yeah, so good, and, very good, yeah, good question. What, happens? what I always suggest is that when you do the sales and purchase agreement, you have in the sales and purchase agreement that the fees don't change during the clawback period. Right, okay. That's yeah. how you get around that one. I mean, you would, right from the beginning, you would, you would see whether there's a good fee match there. Uh, because at the end of the day, I always think that clients are very lazy in a way. They won't want to move accountants because it is a lot of hassle moving accounts. You've got doing engagement letters and money laundering. They'll, 
if the fees remain the same and the service level remains the same, clients are happy. Mm, it's where mm. those two change where the clients can go. And that's why it's, it's good to give a good match. But her question is, when you do the sales and purchase agreement, for goodness sake, if anybody sells their practice, make sure that just to cover yourself, make sure that the, the fees remain the same during the clawback period when you're covered. Yeah, perfect. I love that. I love that. Um, oh, we've got another question here. Do revenue multiples? Oh, I love this. Neil's based down in the West Country, the glorious West Country. Um, and he's saying, do revenue uh, multiples differ based upon geography? Because obviously down in the West Country, we drive tractors, whereas in London, um, they've got a little bit more money. So great question, Neil. Thank you. No, I've just sold one actually in Cornwall. I've just sold one down in Penzance recently. And uh, I, I, you know, it's not confidential. They've done me a lovely testimonial couple down there and so and no i mean it was it, it doesn't reach out you you naturally get uh, if it's a raw remote location you might get uh, less 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 buyers but even that's changing now because people are working online it doesn't yeah. matter where you are so much you can be down in the west country and you can have clients in london you can have clients anywhere fantastic awesome um Peter, we could chat forever. I got there's, there's loads, loads more questions. How can people get hold of you? Certainly, hopefully, in your link, uh, Ashley is my is uh, they can book an appointment with me. They can ring me. Everything is in confidentiality. Everything is, is, is you know uh, won't be discussed outside our, our chat. You know, even if it's something they're thinking of doing in the future. Perfect, 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 perfect. And uh, just um, just uh, wanted to just share this. Um, next week, uh, I have got, um, so in my, I'll just put the link up in my, uh, next week, I've got a marketing power hour. So that's in my events. So if you click on there and go in and have a look, you can see that I'm doing, um, uh, a power hour all about marketing. So come along and watch that next week. Uh, I've also got a couple of other guests. I've got one more question for you, Peter, before I do that, though. I'm just going to go and show off who I've got coming in to see me next week. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a bit of software called Capium, but I have got the founder of Capium. So Tashir Patel is coming in to have a chat about how we built that and what he's doing helping our accountants and bookkeepers. Peter, you're a wealth of knowledge. Um, so thanks ever so much for coming in and sharing all of that. And I hope it's inspired some people to, to think about their practice and start doing the right thing so that it does become more sellable. Um, my question to you, sir, um, which I ask all of my guests every single week, is when you were uh, running around school at primary school, what did you want to be when you grew up? I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always oh, wow. I, there was a neighbor of ours who literally ran their own estate agents and I was just in awe of him, how he ran his own business. And uh, from a very early age, I think 10 or 11, I was literally running, running businesses, uh, whether it was selling to neighbors, whether it was washing their cars, all sorts. Uh, and really that sort of sort of continued really. Fantastic. But, uh, funny, uh, I was uh, listening to your, I was listening to, uh, one of your podcasts where you said what defined you is you worked uh, as, I think you worked as chef in a hotel. That's right. That's right. I mean, when I was a student, when I, one of my first jobs was actually cleaning in a hospital uh, because in those days, in the early 80s, I think we're about the same age. So in the early 80s, uh, you know, 
jobs were difficult. Um, when I was 16, I was a cleaner in a hospital, but actually that defined a lot of what I did. Um, it had, I got compassion because it was working in a hospital. It was teamwork working in a hospital. Um, and, you know, how, it, you know, so some of those things do put you forward to the rest of your life. No, absolutely superb. And, and you are still an entrepreneur. So absolutely fantastic. Um, absolutely great show. Some lovely comments coming through. So thank you, everybody, for all of your comments and for getting involved today. And um, so, Linda, this is perfect. This is exactly why I do these shows. Thank you, Ashton Peter. I'm a sole practitioner looking to retire in four to five years time. So this has been very useful. Linda, you're more than welcome. And if anybody knows any other people that would make a fantastic guest like Peter has been today, then please get in touch. But uh, Peter, thank you very much indeed. And thank you, everybody else. Well, thank you. Thank you for your help. And thank you for all your support with your with your um, LinkedIn. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely fantastic. I've done your workshop and absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Oh, superb. Thanks, everybody. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Okay, cheers. Thank you. Here we go. Another podcast in the bag. I've been Ashley Leeds. You've been wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more, then please subscribe and I will see you again another day. You can find me on LinkedIn if you want to catch up. If you fancy being a guest on one of my shows, I do live shows on LinkedIn twice a week, but I also plan to do some real podcasts uh, where we just do audio and probably record it to go on the YouTube channel. And we can talk about absolutely anything in those. So whatever you want to do, get in touch. And thank you for listening. You